Amen. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise in his house one more time. Come on. If you know God's good, if you know he's faithful, amen. Praise God. Woo! All right, well, you may take your seats here in person. Welcome to Alive Family Church. We're so glad to have you all with us this morning on this beautiful Palm Sunday. Online crowd as well. Hey, so good to have you, family and friends online, joining us as well as we celebrate Jesus entering its holy week, right? Everybody got up on the streets, laid down the palm branch and said, Hosanna in the highest. May we worship God with our lifestyle and with obedience to his word this morning as we prepare our hearts for the resurrected king coming next Sunday. Amen. But this morning, man, I don't, I don't have to, I don't have to preach it at all, man. It's an exciting morning. God is so good. He's been so faithful. We obviously it's pledge Sunday for those of us that have been praying and seeking the Lord for five weeks of Lord, when, what would you have us do, man? I'm just so excited. There's so much faith. There's so much expectancy, right? As we trust the Lord, as we sacrificially give, I mean, the opportunity that God has placed before us as a body of believers, this is like none other. These are once-in-a-lifetime opportunities, right? And I've just been reflecting this week and weekend as I've been preparing, man, like how humbling it is that God chose us, you and I, to help build his kingdom here in Livingston County and across the world for generations to come. And so there's faith in the house, amen? There's expectancy in the house. And when that happens, I know and I believe God can move supernaturally in our midst. It's also an exciting day because, hey, we've been on this journey for the last two and a half months studying the kingdom of God right? Through two different series, right? Today is our fifth and final week of our Kingdom Builder series that we've been in. But man, God has t- taken us on a journey. He said, we, we, we dare to dive into the scripture and say, what is the kingdom of God? What does it look like to put God first in our life, to seek first the kingdom of God? In February and March, we learned kingdom or bust, right? And then later in March and up all the way today, we're looking at different kingdom builders, people, men and women and people groups of the Bible who trusted God, who believed God, who built the kingdom of God and partnered with him to see supernatural things happen in their generation, in their towns, in their cities, in their countries. And so uh, we're really, really excited. If you missed any of the weeks in our kingdom building, Builder series. Real quick recap recap for you. Number one, week one was the foundation of faith, right? We looked at Abraham. We looked at, hey, if we're going to build anything of kingdom significance in our life, it's going to take faith. Somebody say faith. Amen. It's going to take faith. Week two, still chewing on it. Pastor Erica, truth bomb, leaving Babylon. Hello. Don't need to say much more about that, right? We looked at the Israelites who were taken into Babylonian captivity, and if they wanted to build the kingdom of God, they're going to have to leave what was comfortable. Amen. They're going to have to leave the, the prosperous place that they were in to go and build what God ultimately wanted them to build. Week three, all in, we looked at Peter. Kathleen Biggs did a phenomenal job, did she not? Challenging us and encouraging us to, hey, if we're going to build the kingdom, we got to be all in. And the good news for all of us that levels the playing field is God can use us and use you despite your failures, despite your imperfections, despite your flaws to help build something of kingdom significance. Can I get an amen on that? And then last week, uh, Pastor, uh, day, uh, it was we, uh, speaking in tongues up here, right? So um, week four was the heart of a sacrificial giver, right? And Pastor David, uh, <laughs> Said it again. He's got a pastoral heart. David Whitener, a member of our live team and our volunteer staff, he gave a, a tremendous message. And we looked at the widow who gave her two mites. We also compared her story to the rich young ruler and just looked at, hey, if we're going to build the kingdom, we're going to have to sacrificially give. 
But when we sacrificially give, I loved how he ended it. Man, God loves you no matter what happens, but you start to activate the law of sowing and reaping in your life. Amen. That's when it gets really exciting and it's a faith adventure. And so today that leads us to our fifth and final week of our Kingdom Builders series. And the title of my message today, and more importantly, I believe the Lord's call to all of us this morning is simply arise and build. Somebody say arise and build. Arise and build. Oh, man, let's go. We can go home now. All right, you got it. Just write it down and figure that out. No, uh, let's, before we get into it, before we do that, before we launch forward in faith today, let's open up with a word of prayer, and then I'll jump right in. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your word. It's truth. It leads us and guides us. It illuminates our path. It, it, it rebukes us. It corrects us. It exhorts us. It encourages us. It makes us better. It makes us more like you. So today, as your word goes forth, Lord, I pray that in our hearts, our spirits would align with your heart, Lord, that we would rise up and build what we have before us, Lord. We would use what you've given us, and we trust you for the extra. And Father God, as we move forward as a community, as a church family, today is a marked moment in the history of Alive Family Church. And Lord, I thank you. You are growing us. You are strengthening us as individuals and as the body of Christ today. We receive it all by faith in advance. And everybody that agreed said, amen, amen. So man, I am, I'm so excited because we are going to look at the story of of Nehemiah. Everybody say Nehemiah. Maybe you're familiar with him, maybe you're not, but we're going to look at Nehemiah. It's such a powerful story, and if you're not familiar with the story of Nehemiah, it can be found in the book of Nehemiah. It's an Old Testament book. It's after the book of Ezra and before the book of Esther, so it's kind of sandwiched right in there, and it's been cool because some of the kingdom series and the Babylon message, it all kind of ties in the timeline and gets us up to where we're at today, but before we jump into what I believe God wants us to learn and take away from Nehemiah's kingdom-building story, I want to get us up to speed as far as the context, what's happening here in Scripture so that we know what's going around the events that are surround this. So as you guys know, many of you guys are familiar with. Back in those times, uh, the, the God's people, the Israelites, the Jews, they were, they were captured. The, uh, Jerusalem was attacked, right? King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians, they came in and they took them away to a land called Babylon, right? And they were in Babylonian captivity for, for 70 years, right? Pastor Erica talked about this in week two, if you guys want the context of that. They got comfortable when they were there. They got prospered and blessed when they were there, right? But how many of you guys know God had said, I'm going to make you a great nation. He'd only said it from Abraham. His promise is always true, right? So his plan wasn't for them to stay comfortable in Babylon, but to eventually go back and rebuild what had been broken down and stolen from. And so King Nebuchadnezzar went, went on, and then King Cyrus came in as king. And in his first year, he issued a decree that God's people, the Israelites, could go back to their homeland. Right? And so in the midst of this season, as we walk through scripture, there was actually three waves of returns of the exiles. The first one was a man by Zerubbabel led the first wave. And we see this Ezra chapter one through chapter six. He leads a, a group of them back. What do they do when they get back? They rebuild the temple. They actually build the temple of God. But then there's about 50, um, 57 year gap between them and the next wave. And that's the time of Esther. So you'd fast forward in scripture, read the book of Esther. That actually happens in that little chunk of time, how God supernaturally delivers his people who are almost completely wiped out from the face of the earth and provides for them. Then we know that Ezra led the second wave of, of Israelites back from Babylon in the exile. And we see that through Ezra's chapter seven through 10. And then finally the last wave of people coming out of Babylon back to the homeland, to Jerusalem, is led by Nehemiah. And we get that in Nehemiah's chapters one through three, which we're gonna look a lot at today. And uh, in that time, 
They, they actually get to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem that have been burned down and broken down. And so we meet Nehemiah in, in the beginning of Nehemiah. We meet him as an adult. We don't know much about his childhood. Either him, his mother, father, or grandfather grew up in Babylonian captivity, right? We do know that he actually remained in Babylon when everybody started to peace out and go back to Jerusalem. He remained, all right? His brother Hanani, though, went and comes back and gives him a report of what's going on back at the homeland and the condition of the walls. But he was very interested. Nehemiah was very interested and concerned on the well-being of God's people back in Jerusalem. His heart was touched, right? He found out that the people weren't doing so good, that they were in great distress, that the walls had been trampled down and the gates were literally burning with fire. And so God works through Nehemiah to do something about it. And he assembles people to literally arise and build or rebuild the fallen ruins and the walls of their community in Jerusalem. And so we find this kingdom building call for all of us and for Nehemiah to arise and build in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 17 through 20, when Nehemiah learns of the horrible condition of Jerusalem from his brother Hanani. And he goes there and he sees for himself the walls and the gates. Check this out. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 17 through 20. It says, Then I said to them, You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies in waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that had been spoken to me. So they said, Let us rise up, and build. They set their hands to this good work. But then when Sanballat, the Horodite, Tobiah, the Amorite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? So I answered them and said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Boom. You can stop right there. That's pretty good. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build, but you have no heritage, no right or memorial in Jerusalem. Man, what a powerful moment in scripture. What a powerful challenge Nehemiah gives to God's people. He says, let's rebuild the wall. Let's stop being scared and in fear about our enemies that can just walk right in. Let's stop being afraid of what God might do or not do. It's time to rebuild the ruins, rebuild the walls, fortify the city of God and move on to kingdom impact for generations to come. Amen. So he, he says, hey, stop, let's stop getting our butts kicked and let's do something about it. Amen. Let's stop just watching and complaining about what's going on in the news. Let's actually do something about it. Right? Let's sit in this moment of scripture with me for just a second and just feel like, can you imagine the, the passion, the, the fervency, the fire that I believe Nehemiah had to call the people to rally the troops? I don't think Nehemiah was like, hey guys, so I think you've seen the wall. Yeah. It's not looking good. What do you think? Should we rebuild it? I don't think he came to, I don't think, I don't think God's people are like, yeah, I know. Fire's not really in in this time, you know, like we, we actually need some physical gates and walls. No, I don't think it was like that at all. Do, when you guys read scripture, do you ever imagine that it's a movie scene? Um, and and that, that like sometimes from like a famous movie, if you don't, it's okay. I'm, I'm weird like that. I do that all the time. Like I can't wait to heaven so he can roll that film so I can see like Goliath's head rolling and like, like epic battle scenes and all of that. Hey, Bible's graphic. Read your Bible. It's rated R. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's for real. Like, if you actually read it, like, it's, it's pretty graphic, right? If your mind goes there, right? Um, but can you imagine this moment? There's so much weight and tension in this moment. These people that are there, their parents, their grandparents, left everything in Babylon. 
They know that God has a call for them to be a great nation, but their walls are broken and the fire in the, on the gates is burning. It does not look good. In light of the weight of this moment, I feel I have to imagine this conversation and this call to rise and build is more like an epic movie scene. The epic locker room talk before a big game, championship game, like in Rudy, or remember the Titans, right? Maybe like Mel Gibson with half his face painted blue, William Wallace, but they'll never take our freedom, right? Like I can imagine Nehemiah getting jacked and hyped up. If you're like, no, my Bible doesn't read that way, that's fine. (laughs) But if the Bible's boring to you, start doing that. Just be careful to do that before bed. Your dreams will be cracked out. All right, sorry. No, I can see it. Nehemiah's like, aren't you sick and tired of this? Aren't you, aren't you ready to build what God has called you to do? It's his plan. He's backing it. All of heaven's backing it. Someone who's rising up, who's building, right? And I can see the Jews and the God's people saying, yeah, let's rise up and build. Nehemiah's like, come on, arise and build on three. One, two, three. Boom. You know, okay, sorry. I took it too far. It's my locker room hype. Like, they come out. We ready. Come on. Yeah. We ready. Sorry. I, I'm just going back to college right now. Sorry. It's coming out of that tunnel and woo, let's, let's go. I think it was more like that, don't you? I, I hope it was more like that because if it's like, yeah, we should rebuild the walls. I don't know how much it's going to cost. That's so lame. Like, like. God's people have this huge kingdom opportunity before them, literally to rebuild the walls, literally with their hands to build the kingdom of God in the physical realm, right? To a huge kingdom advancing task. And I love their response. Let's arise and let's build. Come on, somebody. If you hear nothing else for the remainder of our time this morning, please hear this. God has called you and I to be kingdom builders. And God has called a live family church to be a kingdom building church. And the only appropriate response in my heart that I believe is let's arise and let's build. Come on, somebody. It's time to arise and build what God wants to build in us and through us. All right, cool. We can all go home now, right? That was the shortest message pastor ever. No, I'm not done yet. Sorry. I'm not going to set that record today. All right. Nope, God's not done yet. No, the story of Nehemiah, and I believe Through this story, God wants to teach us, all of us, how to be better kingdom builders, how we can arise and build what God has placed before us individually, in our personal lives, and as corporately as a church. And so for the remainder of our time, I got three things that I believe God wants to encourage us with, challenge us with today when it comes to being a kingdom builder. The first one is this, if you're taking notes, kingdom building starts in the heart, then moves to the hand. Kingdom building starts in the heart, and then moves to the hand. Remember, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but Nehemiah, he was worked up about the condition of Jerusalem and the walls, right? His heart was touched, right? We see this from his brother's report in Nehemiah chapter one, verse four, it says, so it was when I heard these words, what words? That the walls were broken down and the gates were burning with fire. I sat down and I wept and I mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before God of heaven. Guys, he wept, Nehemiah wept, he mourned, he prayed, he fasted. His heart was wrecked about the condition of God's kingdom. The story goes on to share that Nehemiah was actually so sad before King Xerxes that the king noticed it. He said, bro, what's your deal? Why are you sad and what the heck do you want? And it opened up a divine door for the king and Nehemiah to ask the king, can you send me back 
So, Because he's the cupbearer for the king. He's got a high-paid position in Babylon, and he's kind of the king's right-hand man. And he says, hey, Nehemiah, no, you can go. And he has favor with the king, and God sends Nehemiah back. So he went. And then we see as Nehemiah gets to the city in Jerusalem and sees the condition, we see again in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me. I told no one what my God had, watch this, put in my heart. What God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, nor was there any animal with me except the one I wrote on. So scripture says that God put it in Nehemiah's heart to rebuild the walls. See, kingdom building starts in the heart before it ever moves to our hands, right? Kingdom building work is heart work. If you really want to get down to the core of it, kingdom building work is heart work. Work Before ever a brick was moved, God was moving in Nehemiah's heart. Come on. Before a hammers were ever pounding, Nehemiah's heart was pounding with prayer and fasting and weeping and mourning. He felt it. It was in him before it came out of him and manifested in the natural. You see, kingdom building starts in the heart first and then moves to the hand. That's why I believe, why would we spend two and a half months on the kingdom? It's kind of an obscure concept. That's one of the longer runs of series that we've done since the history of our church. I believe it's because God knows that he's got to get it in us before he can ever work it out of us and through us. He's got to get it because it starts in the heart and then moves to the hands. And so I pray, man, your hearts have been stirred have been fired up, have been challenged like Eric and I have in this series and in this season of us as a church body, because here's what I know. If your heart's not in it, forget it. It'll never really matter. It'll never make a full impact. It'll never, you'll never realize your full potential if your heart's not in it. But if your heart's in it, watch out. Kingdom impact, amen? And so what does this look like? Man, I just wanna encourage you practically. Like, what does that look like? Starts in my heart, goes to my hand. Pay attention to what God is doing in your heart. What is God doing in your heart in this season? What is he challenging you? What is he encouraging you? What is he correcting you on? Where is he trying to move you? What's going on in your heart? Because if you do it from your heart, that wherever your heart's being moved, there's the potential for the most kingdom building impact. Whatever's going on in your heart, God starts it in the heart. Out of the heart flow all the issues of life. It's the hidden man of the heart. It's the real you behind your eyeballs. The one that is safe is the hidden man of the heart. It's the spirit of God. What God is doing there is what he wants to birth out here. And so it starts in the heart, right? We know this. We don't have time to look at the scriptures, but Jesus, many times before he ever healed somebody, before he ever did an amazing miracle, the Bible even says he was moved with compassion. What does that mean? It means his heart was touched. His heart was vexed. His heart... I can't look the other way and just say, all right, too bad for them. Let's move on to something good. Let's move on to a ministry outreach that has thousands so I can put it on my Instagram. No, he, he was moved with compassion for the least of those. And then the kingdom of God moved from his heart to his hands and the little power and kingdom of God intersected people's bodies, their minds. People got healed. People got set free. People got delivered. Come on, somebody. Started in the heart. Started in the heart. Corporately, what does this look like as a church body and a church family? Man, this amazing opportunity we have before us to, to purchase our very own church building. Come on, somebody. It's, it's way more than a building. Yes, it will be nice to finally know where home is because there's no place like home. And from that safety and protection, you can launch out and really be an outreach type church. Amen. 
but there's so much more. It's about the people. It's about the stories. It's about the rebuilding, right? It's really about the why, and it starts in the heart. And I don't know about you guys, but when I think about the condition of our culture in our world today, when I look at the hard numbers and the statistics, my heart can't be touched to do something about it. One out of three practicing Christians left the church at the beginning of COVID, and no one knows if they're coming back. One out of three people that, God, I worship you, I hear, I God, I serve, they're not in church anymore. God's just not a priority in their life. We got to do something about that. Come on. One in five adults suffer from mental health illnesses. There's one death by suicide every 12 minutes in the United States. Over 50% of American marriages end in divorce. Four in 10 Americans say they are struggling financially, and it's tough. And then we, can we even talk about the youth, our next generation? What, what the enemy's trying to wreak havoc in our youth, 14% of teens said they've suffered from depression in the last year. The rate of teen suicide in the age group of 15 to 24 has tripled since 1960. Tripled. And we don't even need to go, we don't have time to go there, but the growing number of youth who are confused about their gender identity or sexual orientation is like off the charts. I don't know, like out of, out of a group of three or four youth, I don't care if they're church youth, outside youth, someone's dealing with that right now. And the statistic that launched this church that will sustain this church and we are not done until Jesus cracks those clouds or we die and we go to be with him when the trumpet sounds one day is 62% of people living in Livingston County do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's 115,000 people. And you guys know our response. You can't hear that and sit there and just be like, oh, well, well, this is a good Sunday. Keep preaching, Pastor. Your heart, it starts in your heart. You've heard our response, not on our watch. Not on our watch, shame on us on our watch. When we have the power and the ability and the opportunity and the anointing and the spirit and the word and the answer that is needed in all these situations, not on our watch. Come on now. It's time to say it with me, arise and build. Amen. So that's point one, which took up half the message. Awesome. Point two, kingdom builders will have to stand up to opposition. Kingdom builders, let's just be real with it. Kingdom builders are going to have to, number two, stand up to opposition. Because here's what we know. Kingdom building is exciting, but as we've learned the last two and a half months, guess what? It's not easy. Nope. To be a kingdom builder, you're going to have to stand up to opposition. In, in Nehemiah's case, there were people against him. We see the Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the army of Samaria. They attacked him. They mocked him. They tried to frustrate his plans. They tried to just distract him so that the wall couldn't be built. They just got in his grill. And then we get to a part in Nehemiah where the walls are halfway built and they keep bringing the opposition. And Nehemiah and the people have a decision. Are we going to throw in the towel? Are we going to quit building? Are we going to say it's too hard? It's too difficult? Are we going to make some adjustments and keep moving? I God, I'm so thankful that they made adjustments because, man, what a lesson and what an example it sets for us. Check this out. They made some adjustments. Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. It says, so it was from that time on that half my servants worked construction while the other half held spears, the shields, the bows, and wore the armor. And the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Verse 17, and those who built on the wall, actually did the building of the wall, and those who carried the burdens loaded themselves with one hand, they worked at construction, and with the other, they held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built, and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. Man, if, you got, if, if we want to be kingdom builders, just know that opposition comes with the territory. Oh, Lord, I must be out of your will because it's really coming in hot. The enemy's really coming in hot. 
He's really trying to frustrate. Lord, that must not be you. Oh, it's probably him. If you're, if you're not facing opposition in your life, you're probably not doing exactly what God's called you to do. That's a humbling, sobering thought. Right? You're going to have to stand strong. You have to get low. You have to arch that back. You have to push back. You're going to have to resist to build what God is calling us to build. And Nehemiah and the Jews, they made adjustments. Half the servants were construction, the other half built. And the ones that were actually building weren't just loaded up with one tool. They had two. One hand had a hammer and the other hand had a sword. Can you please bring me my props in this moment? Because I think it will help us understand how we can build the kingdom. Praise God. Look at what we just happen to have here. We got a hammer and holy cow, we have a sword, folks. All right. With one hand, he said, grab the hammer. Who wants to build the wall? We're going to make an adjustment because we need to be strapped up and ready for any opposition that's trying to come in our way of what God has called us to build. So with one hand, they had the hammer. And the other hand, they grabbed a sword and they went to work. They went to work. Both their hands we're busy with something. Did you catch that? To literally rebuild the wall, they needed a hammer and a sword. What does this mean? Man, for time's sake, they had to have a tool to keep building and they needed a weapon for protection. A weapon and a tool, right? And, and for those of you guys that know, man, there's so much symbolic here. There's so much symbolism here. But the hammer is what God has given you. Your hammer is what has God already given you to help build the kingdom. But your sword is what God has promised you. Come on now. His word, for those of you guys that are familiar with the armor of God in Ephesians 6, right? The breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shield of, the, the shield of faith. And it goes on in Ephesians 6, 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Come on, somebody. So to build what God is calling you to build, to build what God is calling our church, it's going to take some hard work, some sacrificial giving, some using of our time, talent, and resources, and it's going to take the word of God to see that wall built up. Amen? We're going to need both working in. We're going to need both working for us, right? When we can use the sword of the spirit to stand against the opposition of God, right? Because here's the deal. The kingdom of God, it's worth fighting for. It's time for us to arise and build, right? And anything, worth great, anything great worth building in your life that would have any great kingdom impact, it's going to take a fight. To have a good marriage, you're going to have to do some part in the natural and sling your hammer. You're going to need the word of God to get you out of some situations, amen? To set you free from situations, to deliver you from something the enemy's coming at you. To raise godly children in a generation that's dark and perverse. It's going to take a hammer. It's going to take a sword, to believe God and trust him for finances and have him favor your business and prosper your family. It's going to take hard, stinking work, and it's going to take the word of God that he'll supply and meet your every need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Thank you very much. It's going to take the hammer and the sword. And as a church, God has called, the pick, called us in this season to arise and build. And so what he's done is he's called us to pick up our hammer and to pick up our sword and to say, what are we doing, Lord? Where are we building? It's time to arise and build. He's called us to use our hammer, our time, our talent, our treasures, and to, to not shake from the word of God. He's given us the sword, Amos 9, 15, for I shall surely plant a live family church in their own land. Come on, somebody. 
So when the fear comes, I don't know, how am I going to make my pledge? How, what if the church percentage is in 100% by next Sunday on Easter? Hammer and sword. Don't stop building. Amen? What if my kids are going further away from God and not well, they don't want to come to church with me? They're not here this morning. That hurts my heart. Hammer and sword. My family's falling apart. My marriage is in shambles right now. How do I get out of this? Hammer and sword. Front row is getting a little nervous when I get over here with that sword. <laughs> and so kingdom builders don't quit. So we're not called to quit either, Life Family Church. And so we pick up our hammer, we pick up our sword, and we keep slinging them until what we believe in our heart and what we know God has promised us as a church family comes to pass. Amen? Praise God. Hammer and sword. Somebody take these away from me before I hurt somebody. Security. <laughs> That's number two. All right, I should probably put this back in here. I probably should have kept that in there the whole time, but I'm trying, to, trying to do some fruit ninja up here, you know what I'm saying? Like, whoo! Y'all good? Wow, we're almost there. I got one more. We'll, we'll make this one quick. Number three kind of goes into what we're doing there in the natural and the supernatural. And this is number three. Kingdom builders need God's supernatural help. How many of you guys know to build God's kingdom, you're gonna need God's help? You, you're not, to do what God's really called you to do, you can't do it all in your own strength. God loves that. He wants us to press into him. He wants us, it's all about relationships, not about religion. It's about a relationship, right? The natural, if you've ever been around alive long enough, the natural and the supernatural working together makes an impact, amen? Right? So you do your hammer, but you gotta have your sword. You gotta have your supernatural. Nehemiah experiences in Nehemiah 6, 15 and 16. It says, so the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elu in 52 days. And it happened when all the enemies heard it and all the nations around us saw these things that they were very disheartened in their own eyes for they perceived that this work was done by our God. <sighs> Supernatural speed, exponential kingdom impact. 50, it wasn't supposed to just take 52 days to build that wall. I was trying so hard this week to like study that out. Somebody give me that, but it was, it, I couldn't find it. But I know because they reference it and the, the, all the nations around said, whoa, that must have been God because we know we were attacking them every day, but they still got the wall built supernaturally quick. 52 days. The Lord helped Nehemiah and God's people in 52 days did a supernatural kingdom building work. And get this, get this, it's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. So the same God that helped the God's people back then supernaturally is the same God that will help you and I today, Amen. It's the same God. And corporately, man, God can, God already has, and God will continue to help us supernaturally as a church. Because you know why? Jesus is building his church. He said he would and he promised and he's not stopping. And to make the transition into this new space and this new building and this new season, it's gonna take God's supernatural help, amen? It's gonna take God's supernatural provision to provide the finances and resources remaining to close and to do the renovations. It's gonna take God's supernatural favor and blessing and timeline for each domino that needs to happen to walk us to where we actually have keys and we actually get in. It's gonna take us that God's supernatural strength, literal strength to renovate, to demo, to kick down walls, to frame, to cut down trees, to, to do the work, to make it a place that honors God. But as I was praying this morning, he said, just think about it, Pastor. In 52 days or less, a life family church could be closing. 
its very own church home. Without The only way that happens is through God's supernatural provision, his supernatural help, the hammer and the sword, amen? The kingdom impact, the families, the people, the children, the youth. All for God's glory. The outside people perceived that it was God. They were like, whoa, not for our glory, not to make our church look better than another church would be good. Come on, hear my heart, hear God's heart for the glory of God to shine a light in a dark world. Come on, somebody. If anybody's ready to rise and build, come on. Who's ready to rise and build and say, you know what? I'm gonna rise and build. I'm not gonna quit. I'm gonna grab my hammer. I'm not leaving home without my hammer and my sword. Every day, every day I come to worship, hammer and sword, because God will provide through that. It's time to respond what God is doing in our hearts. Man, whatever's happening, whatever he's pricking you in, whatever he's vexing you in your heart, there's kingdom impact in that. Don't ignore that. God wants to move through that. It's time to take our stand against opposition, against fears, against what ifs, or how are you going to do that? And just really take our stand and lift up our hammer and our sword to build what God's building. It's time to do our part in the natural, but it's time to believe God in faith for the supernatural. Amen? Because kingdom builders have to have faith. And so as we do that, we will see the work of the kingdom complete in our midst, and it will glorify God, and it'll be a witness and a testimony to so many people, and it will bless us, because when we're a part of it, when you build it, can you imagine that wall being built in 52 days? You'd be like, I had to hold that stinking hammer and sword every single day. I'm Jack Diesel. I didn't need a Planet Fitness membership. Like, I was doing curls with the hammer and the sword. Both of those were heavy. Man, I look good. No, sorry, it's like, wow. Sorry, I got, got distracted. On with this, Alive Family Church, it's time to arise and build. Kingdom or bust. Kingdom or bust, arise and build. May we see the glory of God displayed as we move forward as a church family from today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We just thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. We thank you for Nehemiah that we can look at a kingdom builder like him. Didn't have it all together, wasn't perfect, but was called by God to build something for kingdom glory, kingdom impact. And Lord, he rallied the troops and his response, their response was arise and build, arise and build. And so Father, we ask for your help. It's, it's really cool to shout that and get hyped up on that. It's a lot harder to walk that out in our own lives. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us, help us please. Understand that kingdom building work starts in the heart and then moves to the hand. So Lord, whatever you're doing in your heart, do a new thing in our heart today. Father God, stir our hearts for what stirs your heart. Break our hearts for what is breaking your heart right now in our culture, in our society, in our community. Father God, and help us do something about it. Help us rebuild the broken places, the burnt down places, the desolate places, Lord God. Inhabit them. May it be like streams in the desert with you, Father, as we rebuild together. Father, we ask you to help us understand that it's not gonna be easy. Kingdom building's never easy. We're gonna have to stand up against opposition, but you've given us everything that we need to do it. You never call us to do something that you don't provide for. And so you said, you've got a hammer. We've got resources. We've got stuff we can work with, but we've got the sword, which is the word of God. We can stand on the word. We can slice down the enemies. The sword is the only offensive weapon in the army of God that we've been given. And we'll use it. And we'll use it for your glory, Father. And lastly, Father, may we understand that we can't do this in our own strength. We need your help. 
We need your supernatural power. And so I ask you right now in faith, both corporately and personally, Lord, that your supernatural provision and blessing is flowing in lives. Favor is surrounding us like a shield. Strength and tenacity and not quit attitude is empowering us to continue to build, to continue to sacrifice, to run our race with endurance, Father God, as we move forward as a church body and family, that we can celebrate your goodness and your glory every step of the way, no matter where where we're at or what it is, Father God. We trust you and believe you that if you called it to us, you'll see it through. You'll see us through, Father. It starts in the heart and it comes out to the hands. Lord, help us arise and build. We pray this all in Jesus' name. And everybody to agree with that and everybody ready to arise and build said, amen. So be it. Praise God. Hey, let's let's just keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed just for another moment. If you're here today or you're maybe you're tuning in online and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, it all starts there. God wants to build something really special in your life. He created you. He made you. He loves you no matter what you've done in your life. There's space at God's table. And the Bible says that all who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. So if you've never called upon Jesus before, if you've never prayed a prayer to invite him into your life, to surrender your life, to repent and turn the other way and go the other way, then this morning's your moment. With every head bowed, every eye closed, both online, here in person, if this is for you and you want to receive Jesus, you want to be included in this prayer, would you just slip up your hand so I know who I'm talking to today? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And online as well. Man, we're all going to pray a prayer together. I want you guys to just repeat this after me. Would everybody pray this? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. I receive him as my Lord and as my Savior. Jesus, come into my heart, change my life, and help me live a life pleasing to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So be it. Praise God. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To further connect with us at Alive, visit us at alivefamily.church. And remember, people matter and Jesus is alive.